podcast is sponsored by Zero Accounting Software, who proudly support female entrepreneurs and help business owners to see their finances clearly. For help in getting your business digital ready, visit xero.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to series two of the She Can, She Did podcast, aka the podcast that puts a spotlight on women in their teens, 20s and 30s who've dared to go solo and launch their own businesses around the UK and asks them to open up to me about everything they've pushed through behind the scenes, the good, the bad and the oh so ugly to get to where they are with their businesses today. After 20 episodes in series one, I thought it was about time I wiped the slate clean and started fresh with a brand new season so that it didn't get to the point where I was saying welcome back to series one, episode 73 or something, and you were all sat there thinking, God, this girl needs to round it up already. So yes, series two is officially underway and fingers crossed you enjoy the natters that will be coming your way over the next few weeks. Cheesy though it is, recording these interviews is always a highlight in my week because these chats are a constant reminder for me that if all the women that I get to chat to can muster up the courage to to navigate the ups and downs that they're facing with their businesses at the time. There's no reason why I can't do as she can, she did. If I grip my teeth and persevere, that is. So I really, really hope that resonates with you too as you listen throughout this series. If you stick around, that is. (laughs) We're all in the same boat with this trying to run a business malarkey after all. With that said and done, Series 2 kicks off with the talented duo behind Sonder and Tell, the London-based content and communications agency that helps story-driven brands including the likes of Airbnb, Jigsaw and Kath Kidson to name but a few to find their voice and express their story in the most effective way. With notable accolades including a spot on the prestigious Forbes 30 Under 30 list in the media and marketing category to their name, I sat down with co-founders Kate Hamilton and Emily Ames in Kate's dining room last week to discuss the evolution of their business story so far. From battling imposter syndrome behind the scenes and learning to establish boundaries with clients and defend their worth, to the steps they took in the early days to cement their brand, carve out a USP within what is an already saturated market and utilise every possible contact they had. Plus, of course, a whole host of other bits and bobs thrown in for good measure. It really is hard not to be impressed by what Emily and Kate have accomplished with Sonder Intel in just under two years, and their experiences and nuggets of advice throughout this chat will resonate with and be welcomed by many of you, I'm sure. Up until about an hour ago, I thought that you were called Kate Sonder and Emily Tell. I've only just heard that. <laughs> yes. Oh, when I got last... I think you thought it was our last name. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That was kind of the idea. Really? Well, it was because like, it's like that corporate thing of naming your business after your last name, so it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek like yeah. jab at that, yeah, basically. Yeah. No, it's amazing, though, because I'm just useless with vocabulary, so for me, like reading about what Sonder means, I'm like, ah, that's such mm-hmm. a nice little word, because I'm the classic, you know, when you go to an airport and mm. people watch... Now I've got uh, a word yeah, for it. Yes. So, uh, yeah, it's so a good place for it. Yeah. Um, talk to me about where the idea behind Sonder and Tell came from. Uh, well, should we tell you what we were doing before? And then that kind of goes Absolutely. into it. So we both met, um, we actually met in Barcelona because we both studied Spanish at university and got posted there for a year. I was there for half the year. And we both started working for a magazine called Suitcase mm-hmm. while we were out there. So Emily knew um, Serena who founded it. And it was a print magazine and we had our own blog. Um, our blog was it a blog? yeah it was column, a blog yeah. column basically from Spain so um, Emily started it it was called Buena Vida so we did bits and pieces from Barcelona then I moved to Madrid and kind of we did one on one off then we went to work for Suitcase full time when we graduated um, so I ended up being editor in chief of the magazine there and Emily was content director and opened Suitcase's media agency so I think 
Time out. That's like a <laughs> job straight out. Oh my gosh, that's well, amazing. I think a suitcase was so new. Mm. It was like this very startupy young team, and we all, like we said this in a podcast the other week. Actually, we all had like super inflated titles. Yeah, like, sorry, I died. I think yeah, that is the perk of a startup because everyone yeah wants to give themselves quite like big sounding names. Yeah. Um, but I guess it makes sense. Like you can't really have like. I think at one point we were assistant, have have like an assistant or editor or something, and there was no editor. Like so assistant, <laughs> assistant arts, arts editor. editor. There was like no arts. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was good. that's kind of what set us up for wanting to start our own thing. Yeah, yeah I guess and having that startup environment from the beginning as well, where you have to like do bits and pieces. Mm, yeah. We had to like learn really quickly and kind of knew how I don't know to start building a team and that sort of thing. Yeah, because they're so hands on, aren't they? You just it's not like I think when you've got a corporate job, it's so you've, your job is so. Um, Come on, you're the words girls. What's the word in the Yeah, well, you're yeah, on a path and it's track. also very, yeah. Yeah. One track minded. Yeah. Know what the other team is doing, for example. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah, I actually spoke to someone the other day who was thinking about like what what kind of company to go into. And I was like, I think if you really know what your career path is mm-hmm. and you kind of know exactly what to do, then you could go into a bigger company because you'll have a really specific role and like learn all of the skills around that role. But if you're not sure what you want to do, going into a startup where you kind of have, where it's all hands on deck yeah. and you yeah. have to throw yourself into everything kind of helps you figure out yeah. what you want to do. And I think we definitely, because I think both of us went in to suitcase thinking like we wanted to be writers and Kate definitely took that path and then ended up being editor-in-chief but was much more of a obviously you were still writing a lot Mm. but also commissioning finding writers that really worked for specific pieces whereas I kind of actually went way more towards the kind of branded Mm. content Mm. advertising partnerships partnerships space and that's kind of how the idea came about because we were doing a lot of content at suitcase and creating content for other brands but we kind of felt like everyone was so obsessed with creating content (laughs) and kind of was just doing it content became this word that yeah yeah. um buzzword exactly and we kind of knew that people needed to take a more sort of thoughtful approach to content and consider who they were talking to, have a point of view on things. How they were saying it. How, yeah. As well. yeah. Um, it's my pet hate um, on platforms like Instagram, seeing, I follow so many different small businesses and there's some where it, it, I guess it frustrates me where you can see that they're posting something because they feel like they need to get something Yeah, out. totally, yes. yeah. Or they've so seen it somewhere see else. Yeah. And also, like copycat yeah, yeah, yeah. brands yeah. as well. And I think there's been that whole thing about you know, like when it's Pride and suddenly every brand under the sun is talking about or with the Me Too thing, every brand now stands for female empowerment or women's empowerment. And so, yeah, exactly. When you haven't really said anything about it before and then it's like, oh, we've got to get an Instagram out about (laughs) Mental Health Awareness Week. Mm. And we wanted to get, we wanted to work with companies that were willing to sort of probe what their core values were, what they actually wanted to have an opinion on and what they didn't want to have an opinion on, where they could actually stand out by having an opinion rather than just sort of adding to the noise. So it was kind of taking all the editorial techniques of journalism, so like interviewing people, finding a kind of scoop and an angle, writing to a tone of voice and then applying that to brand content. So thinking about it more thoughtfully more journalistically essentially i love that do you remember like where you were when you actually said 
you know, let's go. I thought we were in an Uber. Yeah, we like, I know, we'd been to rip off. Sponsor us, Uber. <laughs> um, we had been to Riposte magazine, their, one of their launches at the Ace Hotel, and then we were talking to the editor, I think, about like how bad PRs can be, because I used to get like 100 emails a day like advertising dog food or whatever when it was a travel magazine that I was editing, so it made no sense. I think we were just like bitching about PR, basically, and like, we could do that. And then we went to Shoreditch house i think yes we have a picture we have a such a cliche (laughs) (laughs) oh my god yeah talking about pr and then it came we realized that we actually didn't want to do pr and that now i mean content is almost replacing traditional pr in that sense and then i just think we kept like talking about it yeah and i don't know when we decided to actually i think you kind of decided first i think because i was kind of in and we just opened suitcases agency Mm. and we were kind of having loads of teething problems which always comes with starting things and the agency was very much to support the magazine and i think when we started talking about it we thought it'd be great to start an agency which sort of had its own culture and brand around it rather than just being an agency which was attached to a magazine. Like all the big magazines have agencies. So yeah, I think we didn't really figure out totally. I think at the beginning we thought we were going to be creating a lot of content. We thought we'd be basically publishing magazines for brands, I think. Like turning brands into publishers was kind of what we wanted to do at the beginning. And while we still do that, very much still do that, we have gone into more sort of internal storytelling and helping brands figure out what their unique narrative is, how they how they talk to their customers, what kind of stories are going to resonate with them and kind of doing that internal piece before creating all this content, which then adds mm. the noise. I think that's a side that's kind of surprised us as well because we didn't know, A, that it would be an offering and B, that we'd enjoy it so much, but it's kind of combines... It's almost psychology sometimes, like getting into a brand's head or getting into a customer's head and what makes them tick and asking all those kinds of questions. But that's what I find so interesting is that, you know, it's easy to look at your brand. It's it, it's such a strong brand already, even though you're coming up to two years. But I love that there was that early days where you were still figuring it out and it was trial mm. and error and it wasn't just you knew exactly what you wanted from day one and you went for it. There was mm. a, some yeah. discussion. I think also the thing that we knew at the beginning was that we wanted the agency to have an identity of its mm. own because we felt that thank you we felt that if we were going to be telling people you need your own story you need your own target audience you need a culture then you kind of have to stand for something we have to stand for something as well so from also that side of things so actually the interviews that we have with different storytellers that was easy to do early on because a we had the contacts from suitcase like a lot of the writers that used to commission but also you know no one is gonna a client's not gonna just like hand over a big budget to an agency that started out last week so it was a way of like starting to get us going and having a platform before we actually were pitching essentially And I we just ba- um, read the guy from Monzo's, the bus oh, yeah. I was a bit early and I was like, oh, that one looks interesting. Yeah, he was great. He had good. such good answers, yeah, yeah, Harry was... Ashbridge. Yeah, well, that's a really good example of a brand that's yeah. completely nailed their tone of voice. Yeah, and like people really always pick up on that. And, you know, it's kind of revolutionised the way we think about how a bank should be talking to us. Yeah. yeah. So so you kind of, you, you get the interviews out 
and a lay a bit of groundwork. Talk to me about how you actually approached clients and got those on board because until you're oh, making God. money, it's not really a business, yeah. is it? Yeah, well, sure. Yeah, I think that was also the struggle at the beginning with a service-based industry because you want to be learning, improving, practicing, but you actually can't do anything until yeah, you've got like a product that you can kind of tweak and keep iterating on. and yeah. so at the beginning we did a few kind of family and friend luckily we had a few people that were starting businesses at the time like my sister was starting a mm. ethical swimwear brand called Isla and so we did some work with them at the beginning kind of yeah. helping them craft a narrative tone of voice and the beginning was very much word of mouth and it was kind of doing little bits for people so like mm. a brand story here and there mm-hmm. And it was kind of how we figured out a sort of process, oh, yeah, a process. <laughs> and offering and an offering and like and I guess how like to pricing stru- as well. Like, oh no, god, yeah, we're, we got loads <laughs> of, I mean, that's yeah, still it's still a struggle. But yeah, we just got loads of rates from different people basically, and mm. we figured that we well we're about to move into an office next month, but we didn't have any overhead, so we could afford to kind of just be under kind of traditional agency charges. Um, and undercut people in that way. Mm-hmm. I think we did struggle with that at the beginning, yeah. though, because remember, we, like, you kind of didn't want to do stuff for less than we knew that we were worth. And I was like, mm. oh, let's do loads of stuff just for free. And both of us, there was kind of a back and forth, but it actually meant that we kind of met at the middle and yeah. would not sort of undersell ourselves and do lots of things for free, which I think has probably worked out for us much better now because mm-hmm. we've set... A standard for us whereas I think in those early days if we'd taken all of the projects that were like mm. that was no money I think it would have actually been harder for us to get to the level yeah of clients that we kind of we kind of set ourselves this bar of no we're actually not going to do that yeah. which maybe at the beginning was a bit of a struggle I don't I think that just shows that you like you said you knew your work I just yeah underrated. I'm not very good though at like work I think <sighs> you just end up treating the project differently when you know that when you're being paid a lot less and yeah. I don't know you just I've um, I've spoken to a few people about this now and I feel like you can do it for free or you charge your worth but it's when you charge for like for like, really yeah. cheaply yeah, yeah. Like, at yeah, least when you're doing it for free it's on your yeah. own yeah also the I think what we were always it's kind of you get back what you put out so if you start doing loads of really small startups that kind of have 200 quid to spare Mm. for like two weeks worth of work Mm. then the more you do that the more that message is going to spread like oh Sonner and Tell did my brand narrative talks to each other and then yeah yeah Yeah. so I think very early on we were kind of didn't want to not it was just, yeah, you kind of... hold yourself in. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And now you're working with the likes of Airbnb, so it doesn't clearly work. Actually, yeah. they were probably the dreamiest client in terms yeah. of budget, <laughs> But they were in America. It was the American yeah. office as well, so they just generally have more to yeah. pay. I think also nice. it gave us time to work on our brand and offering. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of work has actually come through people kind of seeing our website mm-hmm. and liking how our website looks and presents itself and then taking us seriously as a result of that so I think that early stage of kind of figuring out what our brand was what we wanted to be known for kind of doing storytelling events 
Yeah, we've actually that... had quite a few clients have come through press things as well. So we, I was interviewed by Lou Stoppard, who's a journalist who wrote something about content in the FT, got a few leads from that, Korea, just recently and something's come through that. So I think, as Emily was saying, like having an agency that kind of stands for something and that you can talk to people mm. about beyond like just services, yeah. it's kind of ended up yeah. coming back around to us, which is really good. Yeah. And also finding something that we could kind of insert ourselves into the conversation. So obviously there's loads of content content agencies but we kind of really pushed this storytelling angle and then as a result when people were thinking oh we need to do better storytelling or we need to do whatever they kind of think of us in that vein which actually I feel like there's so many companies I guess like yours in yeah. the sense of what they're offering um, the basics mm. but it is it's differentiating yourself I feel like you've nailed it you really do stand out yeah so now when there's panels or events or something mm-hmm. and it's on storytelling we've kind of yeah we've kind of set that mm. as our yeah I guess another thing we struggled with at the beginning was whether we wanted to bring on a designer as well because we were getting quite a lot of briefs for new which we still do like startup brands that were either at ideas stage or were having a bit of a rethink about how they wanted to look and feel so we weren't sure whether we wanted to bring on a designer who could basically brand brands um we've ended up not doing that and kind of sticking to language and being like we know words really well we can do that side of things and then we can brief different designers and bring them on for different projects i think yeah also that when you start I think we hit like a midway point where we couldn't decide whether to kind of stick to our guns and just do sort of words Mm. storytelling but from a kind of words based perspective or to kind of iterate because loads of people were saying oh do you have a designer whatever and I think that's always a really it's a really yeah because on one hand everyone says just keep you know in pro- in the product mm. world everyone's like keep iterating when people ask you for things like get feedback I but i think that was actually, the size of the brands almost that they were working yeah. with as well because they were quite small they wanted like a, a whole package mm. which would include design whereas yeah i think as we're speaking to people who are bigger it's like actually it makes sense for them to have like a tone of voice team like ask yeah. to come in and do that and then they can brief out another mm. designer so yeah it's been good to kind of or like store yeah like we're doing a storytelling workshop for kath kidson but they don't need yeah. us to be doing every single part of that because they they've got a big yeah. team and they have creatives. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going going back to those first few months. What were your actual days like? How did you structure oh your days? Because I think service based mm. businesses you have to you have yeah discipline, don't you? You know you've got these projects coming in. It's probably not consistent at the beginning. Like, mm. how did you keep yourself motivated? We were really days? good at getting up yeah just like doing it I think I at the beginning would like have a panic attack if we hadn't started by like 9am <laughs> yeah Kate okay, so would be I, at my door like, like yeah yeah if I, if I don't, if yeah. Aware, we basically we work every single like even at the beginning we yeah. work obviously now we yeah. do but at the beginning we worked like pretty much yeah we did nine till six five days a week we were doing a ton of research I feel like even just stuff like accounting like getting that kind of stuff set up because I didn't really know the first thing about that yeah I still don't Um, (laughs) I find it quite satisfying now but anyway so yeah getting things like that sorted we had this kind of well have a sort of unofficial mentor who um doesn't know he's our mentor but we can't kind of Um, he was really helpful so we had a kind of session with him where he helped us like build out our personality and our brand actually building the brand took quite a long time with our designer because we had quite a clear idea of what we wanted in words but didn't know how to 
that could translate. What else are we doing? I think it was, yeah, it was basically just a lot of of research, lots of meetings. Yeah. Yeah. um, But also not trying to be too annoying with the coffees and like asking (laughs) people. Yeah. Um, And I think it was just reaching out to loads of people, basically anyone we'd ever spoken to that kind of Mm. had a brand or might have a brand in yeah. the future we kind of we did a couple of events yeah we did events we did one with Soho House for a charity called Women of Women International yeah we published a book for this year which yeah. you might yeah. have seen Comfort yeah. Zone so things like that no it's amazing and it just all filters out doesn't it like the word gets out there and it's people yeah. talking and stuff definitely do you remember a turning point where you both realized this is really working we're on something here I think it's quite recently. I would almost say like, <laughs> like last, love. beginning of this month. Or last I month. think we had almost a we had I we had we updated our website. <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but I'm trying to think what was like. We had a few moments where we kind of had big things happen, mm-hmm. and we kind of like there was one point January where yeah, but even before that, like when we were doing Airbnb and some mm. other stuff, where we were thinking like, oh, we're going to be moving into a huge office next yeah, week, hiring <laughs> hiring lots of people, and then. I think the biggest thing is that we've realised that everything goes so up and down at the start. So you used to have these huge highs. And then cocky, basically. Yeah, huge lows. Um, And we had a few moments. And then we went through... January, we went through a period where we got Forbes 30 under 30. We got approached by, like, two huge brands. brands, And then it didn't end up happening. But it was like, we thought, even that we were being entered into those conversations with those... They were huge brands. Mm. Meant that we kind of felt Mm. like it was... And then we almost had a really... We had a quiet... Early summer... Um, no, Feb, March, kind of. And then it all... June, though, it was quite yeah. too. And then last month, not that it was our website, but I think just having kind of case studies and having clients mm-hmm. that people... Because I do think probably on first glance, marketing directors are just kind of looking for like logos and like that you've actually done things yeah. to just have that kind of stamp of approval. So I think that's probably... Well, it. It's finally like we did a deck. Yeah, <laughs> I've been around long enough to have some stuff to talk about yeah, yeah, and yeah we finally did a deck of our work which before we were just getting on with like google slides which didn't look very nice so we ended up presenting ourselves I guess a bit more kind of professionally like, but again I love the fact that it's taken you know 18 months to get to that oh god yeah it's, it's yeah like, I think people can if they're looking to launch a business look at a, a brand like yours and be like god I'm never going to get there or it needs to look mm. like that from day one yeah if I, if I want to be as successful yeah. as them it's like actually no yeah, yeah. it's a process it was, we're always really careful with the words we were using like I do actually think the content that on our briefs our pictures sorry were always really good it's just they didn't necessarily look that slick I think what was interesting though is because we had this sort of plan of what we wanted our brand to be talking about looking like kind of inserting ourselves into conversations doing interesting projects even the times that we were like at a real low sort of wondering why we ever left our jobs and kind of freaking out people would say to us oh my god you guys look like you're doing so well and it was definitely that I mean one it's quite good (laughs) because we were presenting ourselves as Instagram versus reality Um, (laughs) but the other side of it was that yeah this whole thing of what you're presenting versus 
like the actual anxieties behind it. Absolutely, and I feel like everyone struggles with that. And just picking up on what you said about 4.30 and 13 January, that's amazing. And I feel like you getting that is such validation of the fact that it's it's such a, an amazing brand that you've built. But the fact that it then went quiet, mm. that's like <laughs> yeah. imposter syndrome. Like totally, when, when yeah. Got that, and we were like, we don't deserve, that. not don't deserve it, but I remember being like, have we done enough to get oh, this yeah. type thing? Like we felt, I don't know, it was obviously amazing to be on there, but yeah. I had the, I was saying this to someone else the other day, like she can she did was just in an article in Forbes about networking groups for women and I had no idea it was coming normally you know how they reach out and ask for a photo or yeah she just tweeted it and um I genuinely have always wanted to be in Forbes one day and I'm so grateful for that article but I'm like god I'm not ready for that like I don't yeah. feel like I've done yeah. enough to even be in an article in Forbes like, yeah and it's just that kind of I think it's just like the barriers or the things you the deadlines you set yeah. for yourself in your head are sometimes really arbitrary or like when are you going to feel like you're enough yeah, exactly. basically mm. it's like and never then, ending yeah like someone said to me the other day actually that which I think we did do but we haven't looked at it in a while setting yourself quite realistic goals and then congratulating yourself yeah, we when you do actually that. do because I think that's one of the that biggest okay, things yeah that Kay and I experienced starting was that both of us never felt happy with what we'd and always kind of pushing beyond it and we'd kind of get one thing and then and also the nature of our work means that a lot of the time you're talking about budgets mm-hmm. and going back and forth with clients and it almost takes like six months, months for things to like get win by the time it's actually getting signed off because you're so bored of talking about it <laughs> yeah so oh. we were like we have to remember to celebrate stuff okay. and look at what we've done and be like we're getting an mm. office we're making our first hire and we have to be like that's really yeah we have to celebrate yeah Yeah. these are all really good things that we have done a few months ago so yeah let's let's talk about the two of you as (laughs) co-founders um i'm sure you get asked so much but it's it's opinion whether you should go into business with someone let alone a friend Um, and everyone's got their own different thoughts so how did you approach that like was it something that you were kind of aware of that there's that there's there's synergy yeah yeah Yeah, we definitely so i think we met we met as friends definitely mm-hmm. um not as yeah screaming you to start a business um yeah we met as friends but what we we were talking about it the other day is that we met on our year abroad it was sort of this first foray into kind of um independent independent life life, yeah figuring out who you were what you wanted to do living alone in a new city Mm -hmm. none of your old friends around you so it was very much this new even though we ended up going back to university obviously that year was very kind of fundamental Mm. in growing up essentially separate I guess in a way yeah and I think even a lot of people did their years abroad and kind of had a group of people. A group of 20 them, yeah. people that yeah. were from their university. And whereas mm-hmm. we actually didn't, that was about four of us, five of us. Did you mm-hmm. actually speak Spanish when you were out there? Yeah, really yeah, yeah, we actually really, really did. Yeah, it's always hard, I think, because loads of Spanish people always want to speak English as well. Yeah. Just that. But yeah, we spoke loads. Yeah. That's so good. Um, um, I literally went out there and spoke English the whole time. Exactly. You can definitely, yeah. And so as a result, when we started doing that column... From then on, we were kind of growing mm-hmm. together <laughs> professionally as well. And we 
we did so much work together at Suitcase. We went on loads of trips together. You know, we were kind of figuring yeah, out. Yeah, already kind of creative partners in lots of ways. We'd always yeah. run ideas past yeah. one another. I, I think it was we, like edit each other's work. Exactly. Uh, yeah, always, always edited yes, each other's work. Always kind of shared ideas. Always went, even when... You know, Kate was editor and I was doing yeah. the agency. We'd still kind of... Probably quite annoying to be in an office with us, to be honest. So I think different from people that start a business having never worked together, we had that sort of five mm. years beforehand where we knew that we worked really well together mm. and we actually have quite different work styles. Mm. But, Who does what? Um, it's not necessarily what we do that's that different it's more I guess how we approach how we things yeah. yeah like Emily is more I guess extroverted as a well not that I do even and I have to talk about things a lot it's quite yeah verbal and expressive and yeah talks through things whereas I'm much more like need to process things go away write things right. down and then go and talk about it but we've just basically made room for both ways of working which is good because yeah because definitely, yeah, and also, so Kate's quite methodical with what she does, and I'm sort of a bit more ADD, like, if an email comes through, I'm answering that, or, you know, and I think... But you need both, I mean, but you, we, you look yeah. account, someone's got yeah. to yeah. yeah, exactly, and I think, though, if we, we knew that about each other already, probably we learned that a lot more when we started just being us two for mm. two years, but... I guess those are the kind of things, like, as you grow, if you did have a big team you'd need to think about more like how you generally want the office to kind of not how individual people work but like you know if you're going to be doing brainstorms or if you're going to be more like yeah I think individually working yeah, yeah. you kind of have to set a bit more of a tone I suppose when there's more of you because there's just two we kind of balance it out yeah definitely mm. and have you thought about that with your first hire I was just thinking about it now yeah <laughs> <That's just laughs> I, know, I don't think you need to be I don't think because that's like school like everyone no, no. learns in so many different ways that's and what I mean though, it's, it's difficult like, with yeah calling meetings and like what kind of meetings yeah I guess it's like making it space for or, both yeah for all ways of learning and working to and have a people need as well like if your person if you need praise or if you're more like you some people respond actually better to criticism yeah. and that so yeah. it's like that kind of <laughs> thing no not <laughs> yeah I'm like who responds better to criticism I quite like feedback like criticism I kind of crave it like a sicko <laughs> um yeah so that will be interesting hiring someone else because it will be like mm. adding to the dynamic <laughs> yeah definitely and like in terms of I guess you, you obviously because you used to edit and stuff and you're open to criticism have you had any clashes at any point where like in terms of the business butt heads on anything not big ones no. we haven't had big ones we have little ones every once really, in a while but like, like tiny like, yeah okay, my boyfriend was sitting with us the other day and because he was working from home and we were working at my house and he was said he said oh it's really good you and Kate are actually very respectful of each other because sometimes when people work together for a really long time they kind of you know, you know what the other person's going to say or you know what they're like, so you almost kind of dismiss like it already. Or yeah. Kind of, yeah. Um, or you revert back to certain behaviours, whereas actually I think we're quite... Because we know each other so well, mm. we also know how best... So if I <laughs> yeah, want to push an idea yeah. and Kate doesn't like it, I'm just making this up, but I would then know how to approach it with her to make her more accepting mm. of the idea or something like that. You know, it's just... It's knowing how to approach things with... Want to do things, I guess. Or, yeah. Yeah. 
I also think it's like if you slip into being like not respectful, it's quite a slippery slope, mm. I think. It's yeah, good totally. To keep it. Not formality. <laughs> it's not formal, but like... Yeah. But I think that also comes from showing up and working every day on it versus mm. like me coming over and Kate's in bed. Yeah, <laughs> Working. Yeah, I did actually go out last night. I'm a bit weary this morning. But yeah, you know what I mean? Deep. Keeping that kind of office mentality mm. and keeping that level of respect that you would have for your other colleagues versus kind of descending into chaos because like you might do with a friend or yeah whatever. do you socialize outside of work <laughs> yeah loads. yeah loads yeah yeah, so I've heard yeah. Where it's like no they're now no, we're like go on holidays yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i think that's quite important as well because sometimes like we went to trinidad carnival my dad's from trinidad and we went to carnival and basically didn't really talk about work no, for like a week yeah. and that was really important because it kind of reminds you why your friends and <laughs> why your friends <laughs> also oh, she's um, really yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah we kind of make sure that we so and also we're quite good at switching off I know I do kind of always think about but I think even at suitcase we never like switched off it was kind of a job that you carried around yeah with you or I definitely did I think that's maybe more my maybe it's your personality yeah whether you can switch off or not so I don't think it's been like a big shift from having a job to having my own thing or our own thing in terms of like oh yeah no it's thinking. not overthinking things that's so good because mm. I feel like I yeah, I'm good at like, I take the Sundays on my day mm. but I still always feel like it's just I think there's that thing where there's, the... yeah there's always more you can do yeah. but again I do think that's kind of our personalities anyway like we're always but I wonder if it's because thing. we've but I think we're actually all right at switching like as in if something comes up then it's obviously yeah. we're going to do it. But I think I'm, we set boundaries at yeah, Suitcase because I remember the first yeah. two years of Suitcase literally being like attached to everything and then thinking like, okay, if I don't actually switch yeah. off, I'm never going to switch off. So I kind of learned to do that. Whereas I feel so like... I still, like, for example, my boyfriend who was, he's literally just left his job to start his own thing. But when he was employed, he would just like literally not check his work emails when he was on holiday and never check them. Oh yeah, I don't even really know what that's, that's what like. I mean. He like would <laughs> yeah. never check them past six. Like he was like, I'm not at work. I'm not thinking about it. And now he's starting his own thing. He's like so on. Oh yeah, but that's what I mean. I feel like we've kind of cultivated a quite healthy yeah. relationship where yeah. we don't completely switch off, but we're not sort of... A slave to your emails yeah. yeah yeah it's kind of a yeah. yeah i remember like the first maybe four or five weeks when i started this my head wouldn't switch off like i'd get into bed and my head mm. was horrible like i was just trying to adapt and i was so stressed about it because mm. i didn't earn anything for about 11 months which she can she did so i was i just felt so much pressure to turn it into something yeah but like now it's like I'll, i can check an email if i'm on holiday but i won't answer it yeah Unless it's like obviously mm. urgent and yeah stuff, so it's just we're we're just process. yeah we're having that discussion about oh, both of us have such we always have anxiety around like not replying to an email i think we just are too like nice or not nice but just worry about like how quickly you reply to things and i don't know i think you sometimes with emails you do have to let certain things go yeah. like you can't reply to yeah everything mm. this podcast is sponsored by zero accounting software who proudly support female entrepreneurs and help business owners to see their finances clearly for help in getting your business digital ready, visit xero.com.
Let's move on to, you've kind of talked about them a bit already, but general struggles and challenges. What's taken you by surprise since launching this business for, for like the dodgy stuff? basically, maybe anything that you weren't expecting. Oh, and like, surprise in a negative way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll um, come on to the good bit, so we end on a high, but... Yeah. <laughs> I think we figured out, we had a few surprises with kind of brands that we wanted to work with, but the people within those brands, would you say that, weren't necessarily, yeah, like, and I think through that we've learned that it's more about the vision of the person behind the project or the, the brief team. than it is about the actual brand. Okay. Um, and I think, yeah, we had a few annoying situations where people kind of, you know, oh, we need to do storytelling or we need to have a tone of voice. We need to do content, but then didn't mm. get what that actually meant and kind of didn't actually want to put in the work mm. to do that. And, you know, don't come to a agency, which is all about words and then say, oh, but does anyone really read text anymore anyway? Mm. You know, it's that yeah, yeah. we had a few annoying things where people kind of felt like we were part of a, a check. Yeah, like a box checking box. exercise. <laughs> box checking or exercise. Box checking, yeah. Um, and they didn't actually want to do the work. Um, you can kind of tell when someone's going to be like that, like from the brief or from an initial email, if they're like, we need we need 300 words on this. And it's like, okay, what are, what's the tone? Or why are yeah. you writing them? Or why are you doing this? So I guess it's asking. We try and like ask the questions first. If someone comes with like a set of deliverables rather than like a question or a journey or a pro Mood. process yeah. or whatever, then that's kind of like, mm, do we want to, yeah. is this the right kind of person? I think the ups and downs is the most, is the what bigger. the workflow? Yeah. Like I guess we that didn't... has taken us, actually that maybe is taken us by surprise, is like how for a few, like certain months, there's just been really quiet periods because mm -hmm. everyone's like, you guys must be so busy or like, you know, starting your own thing, you're meant to be like hustling. And actually when it's quiet, you're kind of like, yeah. yeah. So I think learning to actually just, what everyone always says, enjoy the quieter times because then when you'll be busy, you'll be missing Which we never do. Yeah. Like, yeah. But I think that, to me, has probably been the biggest surprise is that you're not going to be super, super busy all the time. Yeah. And also how long everything takes, we were not expecting. So, Because I think there's that thing of when you're in a brand, you've got so many things to do. So you start reaching out to people really early. So if you, you're one of the things that you're thinking about is, God, we really need a better story. We don't know how to talk about our product. And they would reach out to us. We'd have a really good meeting. We'd do a proposal mm -hmm. and then, you know, a hundred other things come in for that brand mm. and you just keep getting pushed to the bottom of the yeah. pile. Mm. And because people always said you need to create a sense of urgency with what you're doing, but it's really hard when, you know, stuff to do with the product that they're launching has effed oh, up or whatever. I so I remember before Zero sponsored them, she can she did, I was trying to get a bank on board and had back and forth meetings, always looking good. And then they were like, okay, we're really keen for 2020. And I'm like, this is back in 2018. And I was <laughs> oh like, that's, that's yeah. not very helpful. Yeah. Because you just forget like there's a lot of time. Mm. Yeah. Also, like, doing the budgets last, I'm trying to think, like last September, August time for. Yeah. Mm. Also, not celebrating. I think now we're so conscious of not celebrating things till it's completely signed. Because, and I think, I think brands have to, brand marketers and brand directors or whatever need to be really careful of the language they use because we'd get a few like we'd be pitching we'd be in these conversations then they'd be like this is great like looking yeah, to like move forward beautiful deck or whatever and then, um, be, I don't know, and then it would go with someone else yeah 
So it's just like or like would just they wouldn't even yeah. do it. Like mm. it was just a they were exploring the area, and I think you have to be quite clear about that, especially when you're working with smaller teams and smaller agencies. Yeah. Not being like, yeah, we're going to do this, and then being like, oh, we've now looked at our budgets and. Like maybe check them first. Yeah, yeah. It's like also, yeah. Check your budget. Know what you can spend, and then have a conversation. Whereas, yeah, or people coming to you with a super unclear brief. We did have one project which actually got dropped, which wasn't not. I was going to say it wasn't our fault, but it was more like to do with the team that we created around it. It wasn't quite right for the fit, but it basically turned out the client didn't want what they said they wanted at the beginning, and it just went on too long, and they were like, oh. You know, actually, this isn't what we need or want or want to pay for right now. Do you feel um, like you're more confident now at being really kind of clear that you won't not necessarily tolerate that, but like manage? You're better at managing that. I'd say so yes, but I do think it, <laughs> managing what? Sorry, the kind of like, the, the, client. Like if yeah, a client says, "Oh, I want like twenty thousand words of blog posts or whatever," we'd be like, "That's not really us." I do think we are mm. better. I think we've been pretty good at that from the start, but I think it's usually when it's like a bigger brand and you kind of know that it will look really good on your website or it will be a really good person to say you've worked with and you kind of keep doing stuff and keep sort of making compromises and then in the end it doesn't work out and you've got nothing to show for it. I think a lot of smaller agencies have that, especially design agencies where someone comes to them and is like, I want to do a really creative project and then they keep sort of making annoying Mm. comments feedback and then it ends up looking like something that the design agency isn't even really proud of and I think you have to stop those before because it either needs unless it's really well paid and then I guess you can just keep it disappointment (laughs) is like how hard it is to get money out of brands for words and language and tone of voice like loads of people are really ready to pay for a snazzy logo and a font and the actual look of something especially if it's a startup people in the business often think they can just do the words themselves and they'll get by because obviously everyone can write to an extent um so that has been surprising i think yeah like you need to finding... direct into that monzo um guy yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that just basically summarizes yeah, yeah. So the kind of people we want to work with yeah. know the value of words basically yeah um, and they're not just looking for like a copywriter to fill in their website which they've paid for and they don't want to pay for the language mm. so love that to you two as like individuals um and like social life life outside of work you know you've mentioned that you are relatively good at being strict and having your weekends and stuff mm. how has your relationships with family friends you both mentioned your partners evolved throughout this whole process and have you seen any relationships go either way as you've become more well known your business is going in the right direction um I don't know I think I've always been quite balanced in terms of work and socializing and things I think all of well Yours too, I'm sure, but my friends have been super supportive. Mm. And just, you know, if they know that you're having a busy week, they're not going to be annoyed if you cancel on them or move things. I think people have been really flexible in that sense. Um, I think also there's been no sort of competitiveness with our friends because they're all doing very different things. Everyone's doing really different things. Even our friends, it was a positive surprise. It was like how supportive a lot of our network have been, like a lot of the writers that we featured, or yeah, people have been so supportive and shared lots of our content and things like that it was interesting for me because I met my boyfriend in December so when we'd started in September met in December and I think he's definitely he definitely had to deal with the like ups and downs (laughs) earlier on in Mm. a 
a relationship yeah. yeah when maybe you're like stressed and thinking but I actually I don't think it hindered it at all I think yeah. it was just more yeah maybe more honest about being I wonder if we'd been like dating and stuff whether that would be different rather than having but I kind of was dating only for a couple I... months though I guess I mean yeah. that's only that you weren't really oh right as, as in like, like not yeah, dating you... other people yeah, yeah. Famously, um, <laughs> never going on dates. I guess, yeah. My, I think our boyfriends both been really supportive. So supportive. Matty, yeah. My boyfriend was at an accelerator before, so he had a lot. He of was so useful. Insights. Yeah, he's kind of our unofficial CFO. Yeah. Um, and just like things like zero to use, or just platforms and things to make processes essentially, because he's ops. Um, so just how to make things run a bit smoother. Yeah. It's interesting now, so I feel like we're. Well, I think it's Ross feeling quite comfortable about things. He's just off his own thing. So I feel like the yeah. balance is like shifting yeah, and he yeah. was so stressed this week. And I was like, oh God, he's so stressful. Like, how do I help him or like support him? I was like, oh, it's interesting that now I can be that person for him or, yeah. No, that is so, that is so interesting. Because I just think like, yeah, I can, I'm just trying to picture that play out. Because mm. it is, it's those first few weeks when you're trying to get used to the idea of being on your own with it. It's all yeah. yeah. He was so, because, it's very interesting, yeah. Um, What's so, is it insular? When you yeah, yeah. And it's, so you have to kind of figure mm. out. But he was so... He I'm, would, I'm good at writing in a minute. I don't know why I have a podcast. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not at all. You're really eloquent. Um, yeah, but Matty, at the beginning, when we were starting out, was very... He, because he was working on an accelerator and had seen, like, loads of startups, he just kept being like, oh, my God, guys, shut up. You're, you're doing so well. You're doing so much. Just keep going. And it was... Yeah, so helpful because he kind of, we kind of expected it to be so successful really quickly. Mm. And he was like, guys, chill out. You're not. (laughs) And then. I think you need people like that around you. Yeah. It's kind of, I call them um, my safety blanket of those people that really root for you. Yeah. You're having a low day. (laughs) My boyfriend's a real cheerleader as well. (laughs) (laughs) But I think also both of them were in startups. Yeah. Well, in some capacity. Yeah, Yeah. so I think it was... But I don't think any of our relationships really suffered. I think what is difficult is sometimes when both of us have gone through it a few times when we want to be focusing on work quite a lot and we get quite frustrated with how many plans we have to make. Like, I've got a dinner every single night for, like, three weeks or whatever. Mm -hmm. And actually, you want to be Mm. kind of focusing or... I don't know, even stuff like yeah. going on holiday, yeah. you're suddenly it's like... like <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> no, 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 sorry, that was just an example. But I think it does sometimes get to that where... Yeah, or if, if someone asks, like, do you want to go for dinner next Thursday? And you're like, probably not, but I don't really have a reason not to, apart yeah, from yeah. that I just kind of want my time or yeah. I, I mm. might be working or that kind of thing. Yeah. I think but I think people have been pretty good about that in general. But yeah, I, I think, think it's more in our own heads. I think it's also when we haven't had an office, like just the general calendar stuff, mm. I especially find super stressful when people are like where can we meet and I'm like ah, I don't know where we'll be that day yeah. and then that goes into like social yeah. social diaries too yeah, yeah definitely and what about yourselves like what have you learned about yourselves since launching this <laughs> the neg I've learned that I'm I'm way too I want to be doing the next idea before doing the actual the idea, idea. At the, yeah so I love like the big ideas and moving really quickly but I actually don't like the nitty and I think I've learned to do a bit more of the nitty-gritty. yeah mm-hmm. um also yeah that I don't I don't like downtime that much because that downtime it, well like when oh, we haven't right. we were it's very quiet. I was yeah. not very good at all yeah, I think we both like to be busy mm. I kind of knew that before yeah I, I'm trying to think what I didn't know <laughs> 
What did you not know about me? I don't think we knew, but again, it's kind of going back to work. I don't think we knew as much that how different our work, Mm -hmm. we kind of said that, how different our work styles were. Even just like times and stuff. Like you quite like to be sort of working from nine to five. Yeah. Whereas I kind of can't concentrate for that long. Yeah. I mean, I really like doing things. I quite like getting stuff done. I know that sounds silly, but like not revisiting things lots, I think. I feel like you have got the perfect balance. It's good. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Um, In terms of what about downtime outside of work? Like what do you do when, if say you've had a really stressful day, what does switch off time look like? Oh, I know what Kate's <laughs> going to talk about. So before she, <laughs> before she goes on, but no, I'm kidding. Oh I, Kate, <laughs> has, Kate has loads of hobbies, so you what go first. Thinking? Yeah, I'll just, I'll just stop. Um, <laughs> got a real passion for, <laughs> um, for swimming. Yeah, swimming. I'm obsessed with swimming, which is quite a new thing, actually. So I don't know if it is because I needed some kind of downtime when we started this, because it, it just kind of has evolved in that time. So I go swimming quite a lot to Brockwell Lido. Usually I also got this group that meets in um, Stratford at the Olympic Centre on a Monday night, which is really nice. Um, we both read loads. I like walking and I like getting out of London actually quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my parents live in the countryside, so I go and visit them, which is nice. But swimming is probably like the number one. Yeah, I don't really have a number one hobby. I think I... I love reading and I don't think because what we do is a lot around Mm -hmm. reading and books and stuff I did think for a period that it might put me off reading and like see it as work but it's actually kind of done the opposite and I love reading fiction mainly I hate yeah I can't really read non-fiction at all like especially Mm. workbooks like I really I cannot get on board with the business book I try so I but I think it's kind of, I mean it's that thing isn't it that a lot of the business books are just sort of presented facts and don't tell a story mm. or like non-fiction books when they're kind of presenting facts and figures and all of that stuff that it kind of completely gets lost whereas actually when mm. non-fiction is wrapped up in a story mm. like three women mm. even yeah so I like reading I think a lot of my downtime because I've only been going out with my boyfriend for like a year and a half was kind of hanging out with him and starting a relationship and then yeah friends walking Yoko sometimes (laughs) dog yeah mine's I think mine's more around like relationships yeah um with swimming someone said that on the last podcast because I'm such a like, I love running and like hit and all of that and I was interviewing Olivia Wallenberg from Livia's and she oh, yeah. was saying because she's always at the gym so early and it was always like boxing all of this and she was basically saying that she was getting ill and she had a cough that was not going and her doctor basically said like are you exercising and she proudly said oh yeah, yeah I exercise every morning and they said oh what kind of stuff do you do mm-hmm. and she told him and he was like well that's constant adrenaline like you need it's like bad adrenaline so now I do Pilates but like I know that so many people like swim because it's like Mm. exercise you're still moving but it's not that like heart pounding it's like a lot of people actually find it really boring for that reason I find it so boring my mum swims every day Mm. yeah I find it really relaxing it's kind of like meditative and weirdly it's the only time that I actually just don't think Mm. I did this big swim last month this 10k in Helsinki look, around this island with this group of you people like yeah <laughs> it was, oh, no. it was nearly five intense. hours it was so oh long it was really intense um but I was like oh, oh that'd be water or in a pool? yeah in oh the Baltic God. Sea this is mad <laughs> like that's crazy that's um, good, but like but, yeah it was oh. quite weird 
it was a weird decision because it was quite like I decided six weeks before which is fine but yeah then went to Glastonbury in the middle of that whole process anyway so I was doing that and I was like oh it would be a nice time to just like think about stuff I just Mm. couldn't think about anything apart from just like literally moving so it's quite nice I'm not surprised yeah just stay alive oh my gosh that's amazing Rounding up then, where do you want this business to go? Where do you see it developing? Obviously you've got your office, you've got mm. a member of staff coming on board soon, but big plans, you're the big plan. What do you want? I think both of us have this idea that one day we would almost have like a physical space which is dedicated to storytelling, whether that's like workshop rooms or kind of brainstorms for I don't know, magazines or talks with writers, that kind of thing. But I think most, whether that's like a agency building Mm -hmm. where we just have an extremely strong culture of storytelling or it's like a physical space which is open to the public. Mm -hmm. But I think we basically want to build something which has a really strong culture around storytelling words. You almost Um, have like a kind of hub. Yeah. Of storytelling with a library and yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Whether that's like with employees that are working for brands or if it's kind of opening yeah. that up to freelance content creators and that kind of stuff. In London? Don't know. We actually we were speaking about it before. I think if it was I think if it was a agency, well, agency it would, it be, would be. We were speaking about it in terms of almost somewhere where people would come and have away days and workshop stories but that's actually something we're doing more immediately I guess is um, launching workshops like tone of voice workshops brand storytelling workshops for content marketers and that kind yeah. of thing so that's like we've the, done a few so we just kind of want to plan and then I guess the bigger plan is like building out that hub in some physical yeah. way yeah is it Emma Gannon that went to some writing retreat in the countryside mm, yeah we're actually looking that. at doing something yeah. um, with a hotel so, yeah. in Suffolk this autumn so a kind of writer's retreat yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, I end all. I'm not being antisocial. I'm getting these thingies up. Oh, yeah. I always think, think like I would. Um, I was say. When you don't plan them, they're the best. <laughs> um, you'd think I would know these off by heart now, but I don't. Number one. So basically, I'll start. You finish. Yeah. Um, being my own boss means independence. Learning about yourself independently. Good. <laughs> 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 uh, when it's not quite going to plan, my advice would be to. Have a hug and smile. <laughs> sleep on it. <laughs> Have a nap. What if you can get to sleep though? Because you're worried about it so much. Meditate. Swim. <laughs> if I could go back to day one of my business, I'd tell myself. Stop spending money and be... Oh my God, stop, stop spending money. money. Yeah, like back. As in like when you went back to the beginning. Not not the business spending money, but myself spending yeah. money. Because that... Well, just like as a yeah. stop spending money and yeah, be ready for the lows. Brace yourself. Brace um, yourself, yeah. yeah. I would tell myself probably just relax a little bit more. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I would all of those. If I had to describe myself as a businesswoman, I would say that I am hungry, <laughs> creative. Yeah. What? Oh, mine's not so weird now. I can say disciplined. <laughs> that makes me sound like Miss Trumpet. I'm not actually like that. <laughs> is yours creative no 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 I said hungry but that was, that was a joke <laughs> you said hungry yeah um, you heard my belly it's been hungry <laughs> this whole time so. <laughs> very lastly I want my legacy to be that um, I think that we cared really cared about what we were doing and always pushed always asked questions and asked how we could do more and do things better mm. yeah. yeah and I think 
using stories as a way to kind of create positive change and not just taking clients for the sake of it, but like really, well, it's kind of caring, yeah. caring about the clients we work with and the stories that we're telling and being really thoughtful about the stories that we're putting out there. Yeah, thoughtful with people and ideas and concepts in our work as well. Yeah, love that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Thank you for listening to She Can, She Did. If you fancy being a complete star and doing your good deed for the day, please feel free to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes to give the She Can, She Did series a little boost and help others to find it. You can also attend the Midweek Mingles, the She Can, She Did event series for female founders and aspiring female business owners, featuring a whole lot of business inspiration and the all-important GNTs in equal measure. For more information and to book your ticket, head to www.shecanshedid.com. I would love to see you there.